0: Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. I want to speak to us this morning. uh, Give me the first. The presence of God. The presence of God. It doesn't matter whether you've been a believer for a day or whether you've been a believer for your entire life. We all need to have knowledge of and know how to experience the presence of God. It's a necessity. You know, whenever Jesus was hung on the cross, the curtain was torn. I've heard different rabbis say that uh, the curtain was made out of layers and layers and layers of material. It was anywhere from four inches to nine inches thick. The curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies was torn from top to bottom. It wasn't torn from bottom to top so that man could take credit for it. It was torn from top to bottom so that only God could take credit for it. And do you know that the curtain was torn not so that God could get out, but so that we could get in? And it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I really think this is something that we talk about often. But it's something we just have to continually remind ourselves of. I think one thing that really hinders us in being in the presence of God sometimes is we continually think about our worthiness. It's one of those mornings where I'm tender. Our righteousness is as filthy rags to the Lord. But praise God, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he has appropriated that to us. And so, you and I have been made righteous because of him. So we have to get rid of this notion of our worthiness because, yeah, you're right, we're not worthy. But because of what Christ has done, we have access And not only do we have access, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. So, this is one of those topics that I want every person in here that has received Christ as your Savior to know you can go into the presence of God. He wants you to. My second picture here, I don't know what being in his presence, the next one there, Chad, I don't know what being in God's presence looks like for you. Uh, I love being out around water. I like being on the lake. And I don't know, it shouldn't take external things for us to feel his presence, but sometimes it just helps, amen? So I don't know whether just being out and looking up into into the heavens, into God's magnificent creation, gets you into His presence. If it's being on the ocean, that helps too, being at the beach. Just going out somewhere and raising your hands to God. Really being in the presence, what it takes is for us to become aware of His presence. We sing a song that says that, make me aware of your presence. Because, you know, He's... He is omnipresent, which means He's everywhere all the time. So God is always there, but sometimes we have to become more, we have to be the ones who become aware of His presence. And then we have to make ourselves available and make ourselves conscious of His presence. So I'm not sure exactly what being in His presence looks like to you, but whatever it takes Do it on a regular basis because he wants to meet with you. He wants you to be in his presence. And you know, the the enemy, he wants our attention instead of us giving our attention to God. And he fights for our attention. And he's really flashy about it. And he's really a show-off about it. And the the devil offers a million different ways to distract us. But God only uses one way to draw us. The devil has a million ways to keep us out of the presence of God. God only uses one way to draw us, and that's himself. One thing, and that's with a capital O. He is the one and only. And we have to become captivated by one thing and keep the other million things away. And I'll agree, it's, it's a battle. Because the wiles of the devil are sly. And he does many different things to keep us out of his presence. Materialism, probably one of the biggest. Busyness keeps us out of his presence. There's all sorts of things that keep us from entering into the presence of God. But think about it. What a tremendous privilege it is for us as human beings to be able to go into the presence of the God of all creation. I don't know about you, but sometimes that just boggles my mind that you and I have that awesome privilege to do that. So I'm challenging you, challenging you here from the beginning this morning. What is it that's keeping you from entering into the presence of God? There can be all sorts of... You can become embittered. You can become jealous. You can, there's all sorts of things, as you well know, that keeps us from it. John Piper has this next quote. He says, if you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with a street light. If you've never felt thunder and lightning, you'll be impressed with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows and short lived pleasures. And I'm so concerned with the body of Christ, being caught up with the flash and dash of this world, instead of being captivated by the one who has given us eternal life. Arguably the greatest privilege given to mankind is to enjoy the presence of God. And when a statement like that's made, I think we have to think about that. Is that really true? Is that something that I agree with? And I did say, arguably, the greatest privilege given to mankind is to enjoy the presence of God. But once you have tasted of His goodness, you just want it. You desire it. And you don't want to be without it. I've been in his presence so many times. And I frustrate myself when I get out of, out of the spirit. When I get bent out of shape about something. When I'm not being who I'm supposed to be as a believer. There's a... It's not in in scripture, but it is known history that when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, that they would tie a rope around his ankle so that if he went in unworthily and he was killed because of that unworthiness in the presence of God, they had that rope to pull him out. But if you've ever truly experienced the presence of God and you go into the Holy of Holies... The last thing you want is a rope around your ankle. You don't want it. You want to kick that rope off. And you don't want to come out. When you get there, it's too bad we have to come out to our jobs. We have to come out to our family. We have to come out to this world. But if you've ever been into the Holy of Holies, you don't want to come out of that place. And so many times we go in with a, with a, uh, what's the word? Not proverbial, but with a, uh, uh, well, what is it? It's like you, it's as if you have a rope around your ankle. Because all of those things are going to still be, you can't be there forever. Well, you can Maybe that's a false statement. It's just tough to know how to remain in His presence and still go to that four-letter word, work. Walking in His Spirit, being in His presence. It's just so, so important. Psalm 16, 11. We're going to look at this a little deeper in a little while. You will show me the path of life, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, I don't know, maybe you've never thought about this, but if you desire to go to heaven, if you are thankful that you're saved and you're going to be going to heaven, here's what makes heaven heaven. Heaven is heaven because it is absolutely saturated with the presence of God. That's what makes heaven heaven. What makes hell hell is the absolute absence of God. That's why when we have things here on earth, they try to take God out of schools. They try to take God out of government. That's why those things become a little more like hell. That's true. When this world tries to make it through without God, it's going to be closer to hell than what it would be if we had God in this world. So if you're desiring to go to heaven, heaven is heaven because it's absolutely saturated with the presence of God. But He has made it available for us right here on earth. To be in His presence and to be saturated with His all-inspiring, His total being, saturation of a place. Hallelujah. Lawlessness is simply the absence of God because God's a God of order. I think it's interesting that. The word lawlessness in the New King James is only in the New Testament. In the New King James, it's used 11 times in 10 scriptures. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 uh, is referring to a time of total lawlessness when the Holy Spirit is removed from the earth. Isn't that interesting? When God is removed, there's lawlessness. But when He is there and whenever we enter into a saturation point of his presence, it's an awesome place to be. Hallelujah. Let's think for a moment about concept and precept. Concept is a thought, a notion, an idea. A precept is a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. Let me read that once again. A concept is a thought, a notion, an idea. A precept is a general rule intended to regulate behavior or thought. So if I were to ask you, does the Bible teach concepts and precepts that are advantageous to life, I think most everybody in here would have a rousing yes. There are concepts and precepts in the Word of God that are advantageous to my life. So, I would answer the same way. I would say, yes, that is absolutely true. So, if we know that there are concepts and precepts in God's Word that are advantageous, why is it so hard to put those in- things into practice? It's because we have an enemy, amen? And we have to battle for the things of, that are in the, world, uh, in the Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, here's one reason why this topic of God's presence is so important. You and I will reflect and project what we have inside of us. Think about that for a moment. We will reflect and project what we think, how we feel. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen? If you watch... The secular media news, you're going to be filled with fear and doubt and unbelief. And fear and doubt and unbelief is what you're going to reflect and project. Whatever you sow, that's what you'll reap. What you plant in your heart or in your spirit is what harvest will come from you. Likewise, when you fill yourself with the Word of God, fill yourself with faith and hope. Bask in His presence. Great things, God things, kingdom release will reflect and project from you. Hallelujah. So not only do we need the presence of God in our lives, other people need the presence of God in our lives. You know, there's someone sitting beside you. They need you to have the presence of God in your life because we need one another. Psalm 91 is probably one of my favorite chapters. Psalm 91 verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells. That's not a visitation. That's a habitation. Dwell means to live there. And you don't just camp there. I mean, you've put down a foundation and you live there in His presence. The secret place. You know, The devil is not all-knowing like God is. He's not all-present like God is. In fact, the devil is no match to God. Sometimes we put God, I think I've explained this before. We put God here and we put the devil here, and then there's this battle going on. It's not that way. God is here. He is supreme. It's Michael the archangel and the devil who are on equal planes. The devil is no match to God. Hallelujah. So, we need to understand that we can abide and we can be under that shadow of the Almighty. I think of this every time I read this verse. Under the shadow of the Almighty. Approximately 15 years ago, I don't know exactly what year it was, but it was on a Monday, Memorial Day the day after the Indianapolis 500 and the Goodyear Blimp had been down at at Indy and it was heading north, going somewhere. I'm not sure where they were taking it. But I'd heard on the radio that it was having mechanical problems and it was going to make an emergency stop at the Marion Airport. I'm out mowing and I'm, I'm looking to the south and I see the Goodyear Blimp. He's following... Basically, State Road 37 up to the Marion Airport. He was extremely low. And as I was heading south, I would watch him. But then, all, then I started heading back north. And as I was heading north, not, not seeing the blimp, suddenly this overwhelming shadow just come upon me. I felt like I needed to duck down, and I looked up, and the Goodyear blimp was like 200 feet above my head. This—you you don't realize how massive the Goodyear blimp is until he's hovering a couple hundred feet over your head. I, I felt like I was just going to be swallowed up by that thing, and he passed by. I mean, I could see the seams in the blimp. And he passed on by, and he went on up to the Marion Airport. But that feeling of that overwhelming shadow that came down upon me was just incredible. And I think of this scripture. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What an incredible feeling it is. And it's a secret place because the devil doesn't know everything. God can hide you in His safety, yes. in His secret place. And it's a wonderful place to be. Now, if you're not a believer, that shadow is pretty scary. But hallelujah. You and I have that opportunity. We have that blessing to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Praise the Lord. Once again, Psalm 16, 11. You shall, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. I see the evidence of the pleasures of joy. Acts two twenty eight 28 says some, somewhat the same, uh, same thing. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Praise the Lord. Presence. Presence literally means face. God's face means favor and blessing. In Numbers 6, 24 through 26, you know, you have probably heard this blessing prayed over someone. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. The face of God means blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, whenever Adam had sinned in the garden because of his shame, what did he do? He went and hid. And God comes into the garden, and what's he say? He says, Adam, where are you? And he didn't ask where he was because God didn't know where he was at. He asked Adam where he was so that Adam knew where he was at. And God's asking us sometimes too, Josh, where are you? Ron, where are you? Connie, where are you? Why? Because he wants us to realize where we are. And where does he want us? He wants us to abide in his presence. He wants us to face him. God was basically saying, Adam, you've ran from me instead of to me. You've ran from my face, and you've hid your face, and you're not facing your problems. Whenever we've made a mistake, let's face up to it. Let's repent. And let's get back into the presence of God. When Jackie, whenever I started dating Jackie back in August of 1972, she was attending Ball State University. And I loved being with her. You know, a phone call was good, but that was only because it was better than not talking to her or not seeing her. But I, I went to great lengths to go to Ball State and to see her, I wanted to be in her presence. I wanted to see her face. Praise God, 47 years later, I still do. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's the same way with God. Do, 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 you, do you really have a desire to be in the face of God? I hope you do. But because of that, you see, I, I put great value in being in her presence and seeing her. And God does the same thing. God puts value on things. God said, you can blaspheme me, you can blaspheme, me. You can blaspheme Jesus, but you're not going to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. He puts value on stuff. He values you and I so much that He sent Jesus to die on a cross for us. So, because of that characteristic of God, we also have the opportunity to put value on things. Um, how much does a dirt clod, what's the value of a dirt clod com, uh, compared to a diamond the same size? You see, we're the ones that put the value on that. How much value do you put on your family? This ring right here, this little ring. If I took that to the jeweler, I would imagine, uh, I doubt that he would give me $50 for it. But that ring is not for sale. Because it's my mom's. You see, we put the value on things. And I have to ask you this morning, how much value are you putting on the presence of God? It's so easy to get wrapped up in the busyness of life, in the cares of this world. It's so easy to get distracted. But how much value are you putting on the Word of God? The prayer time that you have? All those different things that pertain to God. Hallelujah. You see, like studying God's Word. Let's just take that for an example, the studying of God's Word. The studying of God's Word should lead us to the presence of God. In John chapter 5, there's an interesting scripture there, verse 39 through 39 and 40. Jesus he's at the the well with the the woman at the well. And she says, well, uh, I perceive that you're a prophet. She said, now now you Jews, you say that we are, are to, you say you need to pray in Jerusalem. We pray here on this mountain. And then Jesus responded and said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. It's the scriptures that testifies of Jesus. But Sometimes we can read the scriptures thinking that's where our salvation is. Verse 40 But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Worship is an avenue intended to lead us to the encounter, to encounter his presence. You see, reading the scripture and worship, those should be leading us to an encounter. Too many times I really do believe we can read the Scripture thinking that there's salvation in that. Do you see where I'm coming from? That's what that Scripture is talking about. You think you, by the reading of the Scripture you have salvation. But he's saying, the Scriptures are referring to me. And the Scriptures should lead you to me. And you should be having an encounter with me when you read the Scriptures. When we go into worship, worship should be an avenue that leads us into His presence. Hallelujah. John 4 says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Read that closely. The hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. We have to see here, God is not seeking the worship. God wants the worshiper. He's not not on an ego trip needing to be worshipped. He wants us, the worshiper. But he knows that the worship is the vehicle that takes us to him. So, in our worship, it should always lead us to his presence. It doesn't sometimes because we're disconnected, we're disinterested, we're too busy. You know all the stuff that keeps us from it. But God wants worshipers. Hallelujah. And in our pursuit of God, it's not as if God is playing hide and seek. You ever feel that way? God, where are you? You've hidden yourself. It's, It's hide and seek. I'm trying to find him. He's trying to hide. And it's not like that at all. In those times whenever we don't sense His presence, when we don't feel His presence, it's it's a time for us to exercise our faith. Don't we love that word exercise? I I saw on Facebook, maybe you saw it this week, it said, my bathing suit tells me to go to the gym, but my sweatpants tell me, no dude, you're good. (laughs) We don't care for exercise, do we? But any time that it seems as if God is distant, that is the time for us to exercise our faith and to exercise our persistence and to let Him know that we are serious about wanting to meet up with Him. And when we pursue, He will be caught. His word says, seek me and you shall find me. It's not because he wanted to hide from us. It's just sometimes things get in the way. Hallelujah. Pastor Josh's message last week, I, I tell you, preaching good, man. You just keep it up. Stay in his presence. Amen. Last, last week, he was talking about coming into the ark or whenever Jesus was walking on the water and he called, he told Peter, come out of the boat into him. Come to it was His point was that we come to where He's at. Now, since I'm following you up, I get to add to that. We're invited to come into His presence so that we can go out in His presence. You know the Great Commission. The Great Commission says, Go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He says, And wherever you go, I will be with you. So we come into his presence so that we can go out in his presence. We come in to spend time with him so that we can go out in power. We come in to him empty so that we can go out full. And I, I just, oh, I just desire so much this morning for every one of us to have such a deep relationship with the Lord that we hunger and thirst for His presence. We need to be people who will do whatever it takes to experience His presence. Hallelujah. And the coming in and the going out, works both ways. In, Re- in Revelations 3.20, you know this scripture. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. It's an interchange. Both are coming in and out to meet each other. Praise the Lord. have uh, one last portion of scripture that's kind of long. But I, uh, I think it's a good thing for us to get across this morning. Exodus 33, we're going to read 16 verses. Let's start. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Depart, go up from here. Now, here, here, where we're at here in Exodus 33. Exodus 32 is where Moses goes up on the mountain and the Israelites, they pull all their jewelry together and they throw it into to, to the fire. And Aaron said... And this calf just popped out. Yeah. So they had been making their own God. And then we come to this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought from the land of Egypt. He's not saying you and my people. (laughs) Those people that you brought up from the land, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying... To your descendants I will give it. This is how they amplified. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to the land of abundance, flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in your presence, because you are a stiff-necked, stubborn, rebellious people, and I might destroy you on the way. God's in a bad mood. When the people heard this sad word, they mourned, and none of them put on his ornaments. I'm surprised they had any ornaments left. But they had some jewelry, and they didn't put them on. I'm glad that they had enough sense to not do that. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the sons of Israel, You are a stiff-necked, I will destroy you. Now therefore... Penitently take off your ornaments so that I may know what to do with you. Now, why did they make specific uh, notation here that they were to leave off their ornaments? Because that was the exact thing that they used to make a god. God's saying the same thing to us. Put off that stuff that you have as a god. Is it materialism? Is it your job? Is it your kids? Is it your grandkids? I have two of two my i had 10 grandkids these are my two favorites yeah, yeah. now if there's another if there's a different two that they'd be the favorites but we can make gods out of a lot of stuff he says put off this jewelry don't put it on what verse am i ready for Verse 6, let's read 6 again. So the Israelites left off all their ornaments in repentance uh, from Mount Horeb, Sinai, onward. Now Moses used to take his own tent and pitch it outside the camp, far away from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting of God which, uh, with his own people. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the temporary tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand, each at his tent door, and look at Moses until he entered the tent. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the doorway of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tent door, all the people would rise and worship, each at his tent door. And so the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, hallelujah, just as a man speaks to his friend, when Moses returned to the camp, he attended Joshua, his attendant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, now this is Moses speaking to the Lord. He said, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Well, he did tell him he's going to send an angel with him, but that wasn't what Moses was wanting to hear. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways so that I may know you, becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with you, recognizing and understanding your ways more clearly, and that I may find grace and favor in your sight, and consider also that this nation is your people." And the Lord said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest by bringing you and the people into the promised land. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with me, do not lead us up from here. Mm. I think that needs to be our response in many, many things. we have so many things we have to deal with in life. I mean, just practical things. Which job should I take? Should I buy this vehicle? Should I purchase this property? Lord, if you don't go with me to make those decisions, I don't want to go. I want to do everything pleasing in your sight. I want to do everything that is your will. Go with me in this, Lord. Because I know when you go with me, you'll lead and you'll guide and you'll direct and your blessing will be upon me. You ever see some people where they're just blessed? It just doesn't seem to matter what they do. They're blessed. The presence of God. Now, can a person who is ungodly be blessed, seem like they have blessings? Yes, it can seem that way. But I'll believe you. I, I, I'll... I urge you to understand that they are in torment. They don't live a peaceful life. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have asked, for you have found favor, loving kindness, mercy in my sight. Hallelujah. Lord, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go. Psalm 51. How many of you know when Psalm 51 was written? Anybody know when Psalm 51 was written? It was written after David had sinned with Bathsheba. And he's beginning to repent. And he's beginning to get himself lined back up with where he's supposed to be with the Lord. He says, do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Of all the things for him to pray. Do not cast me away from your presence. Oh, the presence of God. Are there a number of believers? I'm talking about believers who are going through life without the presence of God. I believe there are. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You and I are supposed to be going With his presence, in his presence, with the blessings of the Lord. See, Moses is saying here too, Lord, if you don't go with us, how are all these other people going to know that you're our God? We ought to be living our lives to where people know that God is on us. He's in us. He's blessing us. God is real. He is worth serving. I want to be His. We should be living those kind of lives where people want to be a part of that. Hallelujah. I'll close with this. Psalm 140, verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Hallelujah. Sometimes I feel like maybe this morning has been a little somber. I I don't know why, but... At the same time, I'm believing you've received the challenge this morning. Will you take this week and be more conscious of the need for you to be in the presence of God? We all see the evidence of His goodness. He deserves our devotion. He deserves our dedication. But in turn, He wants to bless us with His tremendous presence. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Whose responsibility is it to come unto him? It's ours. Come unto me and stand.